Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A dear friend of mine got stabbed today, Salman Rushdie. I'm sure people have seen this news. He was stabbed by someone named Haj Hadi Matar. We don't know the motivation yet, but Sal did have some enemies in the past, as I recall. So I'm guessing Hadi is not Amish. Sal was in Chattaqua. He was giving a lecture, how about this for irony, about how the U.S. is a safe haven for exiled writers and other artists under threat of persecution. And making that speech itself is unthinkable in most Muslim countries. Salman Rushdie living in most Muslim countries without getting stabbed every day is unthinkable. So don't come at me with Islamophobic. Phobic means fear, right? Well, Sal had a good reason to be fearful. Uh... And when you say phobic, it's just a way to shut off debate. You know, that you're transphobic, Islamophobic, and we should have a debate about this. Sorry, but, you know, these things don't go away. Islam is still a much more fundamentalist religion than any of the other religions in the world. And that means they take what's in the holy book seriously. And that has been dangerous for a long time. It's still dangerous. This was 1989 when he was first threatened. You know, they say, we have a long memory. We got, just got al Iwan al-Zawahiri. We were bragging about, well, you can't get away from... They have a long memory, too. That's Bill Maher Friday night, because he is friends with Salman Rushdie, who was nearly stabbed to death Friday and uh, is off the ventilator now. Probably going to lose an eye. Probably can't use one arm. Liver damage. Um, obviously, emotionally, you'd never be the same. 
And the guy that killed him uh, recently had traveled to the Middle East, and now there's some reporting that he was in direct contact with Quds Force in Iran and some of the other people that put this fatwa on Rushdie back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. He also seems to be the classic radicalized loser nobody literally in his mom's basement. Uh, but that doesn't change the terrible maiming of Salman Rushdie, and it's just, it's awful. Well, and you know, I, I made the point before, and I think it's worth making again. If you got this guy, the, the attacker, and the uh, Revolutionary Guard in Iran, and the imams together with the progressive left, they would agree, oh yeah, that book isn't free speech, that's hate speech, that's disrespectful of our, our religion, that ignores equity, that's, uh, that's oppression, that's racism. So yes, we should ban books. They would be in complete agreement. So I was watching some old videos about uh, Rushdie and the Satanic Verses on YouTube. There's an old, uh, Christopher Hitchens and him were best friends, and uh, Hitchens spent a lot of time speaking up for Rushdie's right to write whatever the hell he wants, let alone a book that was really pretty tepid in terms of its attacks on Islam. If you if you don't know the, I've never read the book, but uh, have, have you read Satanic Verses? Yeah, my memory of it, it's it's like yeah, imagining but, Muhammad's life. Yeah, well, Christopher Hitchens was explaining it on uh, on on some news program on cable news from years ago, but it was it was a bunch of different characters in a book, and one of the characters is kind of a crazy person and and thinking crazy thoughts about Islam, while other characters were thinking crazy thoughts about other things. But for whatever reason, you know, at that particular time, the um the fundamentalist nut job leadership of Iran was coming under a lot of fire. The the revolution was not going well, and they needed something to rally behind. So they kind of created this blown up, completely out of proportion boogaboo of this book and was able mm. to get people in the streets and rally them. You know, it's the, the typical thing that happens with dictators or politicians all the time. You, you, you got to find something to rally people behind, and they went with this. And uh, the nut jobs in the streets... Guarantee in ninety nine percent of them who never read the book or had any idea it was oh, actually of course it, not you know overreacted as if the book was entirely an attack on Islam and that that was the point of the book. Rushdie has said since I wish I had. I, I, it was a minor character with a minor. It's a, just part of a major plot that had nothing. But I wish I had written a book because clearly that would have been correct to yeah. to write some anti fundamentalist Islam book. Anyway. By the way, another commonality with the progressive left is the idea that it is intent doesn't matter. I'm offended. I'm angry. Therefore, I'm right. Therefore, I get to hurt him or end his career. If he has a perfectly reasonable explanation of good conscience and good judgment, that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is I'm mad. Yeah, a number of thoughts on this um, that I have, but this one just popped into my head. This always pisses me off. Lots of people back in 1989, not as many now, thank God, but lots of people back in 1989, smart people came out with, well, he shouldn't have written that. Oh. He shouldn't have written that. Well, you know, that was a mean thing to do. You know how those people it are. It was you offensive. Have, yeah. yeah, it was offensive. You shouldn't have written that. And it's part of the whole violence of speech, speech is violence thing. And, and uh, that only counts. You, you give the heckler's veto to people who are willing to be violent. If you write a musical, for instance, about... The Mormon religion, mocking it up and down, you win Tony Awards, as happened with, what was the name of that musical? 
Oh, that's funny. Just flitted out of my the, head. The guys from South Park wrote, and it was all about mocking Mormons. Oh, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. Right. Jeez, yeah. How could you forget that? But um, there was nothing but mocking a religion. But because Mormons aren't violent, you go ahead and do that. And people pay a lot of money to go to the musical and it with Stones the Awards and is critically acclaimed and everything like that. But Muslims, no, you don't do that because they'll kill you. They would have blown up the theater. They would have killed the creators of South Park. They would have killed anybody who gave it a positive review or at least threatened them. And so they get the heckler's veto of people right. don't write an anti-Mormon musical. Slaughtered a bunch of uh, cartoonists for merely portraying the prophet there at uh, Charlie Hebdo. Right. And um, we mentioned earlier that some of the translators were attacked and some of them killed. Uh, New York Times recalling the Japanese translator who was brutally murdered because um, he had just translated the book. That's all he did. I'm sure his job was to translate books, and they handed you this one. He had nothing to do with the belief. In Iran, Rushdie's enemies are rejoicing. The front page of the major newspaper published in Tehran yesterday said that Mr. Rushdie had gotten divine vengeance and that former President Donald J. Trump and Mike Pompeo, his former Secretary of State, are next. So that's nice. I read, started reading Rushdie's memoir over the weekend called Joseph Anton. That's the the, the secret name that he used while he was in hiding for several years. Because he had to go into hiding immediately when it was announced by the uh, Ayatollah there in Iran that they'd give $3 million to anybody who killed him. The fatwa that was actually put out stated that uh, I ask the, the, the Ayatollah, the Supreme Leader of Iran, said, I ask all Muslims to execute anybody involved in this book wherever they find them. That was that was the order, and it clearly still reached that twenty-four-year-old. Nice on, culture on Friday when he ran on stage in the stabbed Rushdie. So Rushdie in the opens his book, his memoir about when he first got news of the fatwa. His book came out. And he wasn't really thinking that much of it. He didn't feel like he'd written some attack on Islam because it's just like I said, it's just a a portion of one character. But that's the way it was received for political reasons, as I just explained. And he's writing this in the third person about himself. But he said um, a reporter called him. He has no idea how the reporter got his phone number and said, how does it feel to know that you have millions of people around the world that want you dead? It doesn't feel good. This is what he thought, again, referring to himself. I'm a dead man. He wondered how many days he had left to live and thought the answer was probably in the single digits. He put down the telephone and ran downstairs to tell his wife. Um, and then it goes on from there on how it became a, uh, and I remember that at the time it became kind of a tabloid thing. They got a picture of his wife coming out of the house with a scared expression on her face. And that was all over the world, the face of fear and that sort of thing. And he had to go underground immediately. And he was worried about his kids and his wife and his coworkers and everybody. Well, I mean, how about that? He thought his well, days... Well, quite appropriately, because several translators got murdered. Yeah, how about that? He thought, how long have I got to live? Probably in the single digits, is his first thought when that happened. Wow. wow. And it took, uh, whatever it is, 33 years? And he almost got killed on Friday. God, that's crazy. What a crazy reaction to something like that. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who says, well, you know, you shouldn't say mean things about Muslims... You don't feel that way about Christianity in any way. Nope. Mormonism, really anything. But as you said, it's 
kowtowing to the brutal. And that's what worries me so much about the woke crowd, which I keep bringing up, is their power is their brutality. Their philosophy makes no sense. There's no data to back it up. If you think it through and have two brain cells to rub together, you realize they're nuts. But it doesn't matter. Brutality is a great substitute for logic in the real world, which is why it's so important to resist it. Well, and that weird belief that the the uh, recipient of the message gets to decide how bad it was. I mean, that's that's the whole thing in the college classes, right? If someone is offended, then it was a bad thing to say. So no matter how ridiculous the person is in terms of being offended, you were wrong from saying it. It's just an extreme version of that. Because that religion reacts violently, well, then you shouldn't criticize that religion. Other religions that don't react violently, you can criticize. That's an odd way to run... The thing humanity humanity <laughs> it's very weird well and getting back to the college thing it, it it actually literally grants the heckler's veto to pay people who are mentally ill it doesn't matter that their conclusion that you're a racist is insane that's irrelevant you're suspended you're fired yeah that's something I'm glad Bill Maher brought it up on his show. Piers Morgan, maybe we'll play some of him later, talking more about the importance of freedom of speech and and people being able to say what they want to say. Yeah, I'd vote in favor of that. I thought Piers was right on. Okay, more uh, more on the way. Stay with us. I was going to tweet it out. I'll talk about it more tomorrow. I was at a restaurant last night for the first time that had one of those robot waiters. You've seen the I pictures haven't seen of the before? robot waiters. Oh, you haven't? Have you seen the videos no. or anything? They look exactly like R2-D2, only they got, they're flat on top, and they like bring you your food or your drinks. Huh. I missed this somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay, yeah, they put them on. The, this is the first time I'd seen one in person. And it's it's so novel, like everybody's got their phones out and sure. you know, posing with it and everything like that. But they just put the food <laughs> and drinks on top of it, and it, it goes to your table. Wow. Yeah. Beep. <laughs> it's the future, I think. Probably. <laughs> Is it? A little weird. Um, you shouldn't get stabbed for writing a book. I think probably goes without saying. But it happened to Salman Rushdie, the author, who was nearly stabbed to death on Friday. I don't know where you think this goes geopolitically. The the reporting out today is the 24-year-old who ran up on stage and stabbed him did have direct contact with members of the Revolutionary Guard. Now, if that turns out that the government was directly in contact with a guy who tried to kill someone in the United States, having uh, found out that there were assassination attempts on... Pompeo and Bolton a week or so ago. Can't just let that lie, can you? No, indeed. Yeah, that'd be a pretty serious matter. Of course, uh, old man Biden, who knows what his response will be. But in particular, wanting to kill somebody because you don't like what they said, uh, that's a different sort of topic. Piers Morgan was on Bill Maher Friday night and said this. 
Well, I, I want to just draw your attention to a quote from Salman Rushdie. The defense of free speech begins at the point when people say something you can't stand. You often have to defend people you find outrageous, unpleasant, and disgusting. And that's the point I think that people have forgotten in this debate about free speech, which is it's not about the right of people you agree with to say what they like, and then you're not along. It's about your ability to listen to people whose opinions you might staunchly disagree with. You might hate their opinions. You might hate them. But you should be able to tolerate their right to have a different opinion. Well, but my point is that that point of view is not even extant in many countries around the world. Right. In not just Muslim countries, but especially Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. The idea of freedom of speech is like, what are you talking about? You insulted the prophet. But that's the way America and Britain and other countries, they're moving this way. Yeah. And that's why it's so dangerous. Uh, he's right about that. He goes on. Here's Morgan. Only last month, this survey came out of students in the UK. 86% want trigger warnings on anything they might find offensive. This has so far included Shakespeare. Right, 36% want academics fired if they say something that is hurtful or offensive. And, you know, the, well, for me, the nadir of this bill came, it was actually in San Diego, and it was a guy called, a professor called J. Angelo Corbett, and he was cancelled from doing a lecture he'd done for 20 years, and the lecture was about the usage of offensive language, and as part of the lecture, he used offensive language, and so they cancelled him because students objected to him using offensive language in a lecture specifically about the usage of offensive language. It is nuts. It's nuts. Well, and so when you see a country like America, the home of free speech, moving that way, yeah. it is a very thin line between that and what happened to Salman Rushdie. Ask Dave Chappelle, attacked on stage. Attacked on stage for having an opinion, for cracking jokes. Ask Chris Rock, punched on stage at the Oscars for cracking a joke. Once it strays into violence, then you end up with Salman Rushdie being stabbed by a lunatic on a stage in New York. Hmm, I was about to say, I'm not sure I agree with those last couple examples, but what do you think? you think it's part of the, the overall culture? Uh, Chappelle, absolutely. Chris Rock, less so. Um, but his example about Dr. Corbett at San Diego State was dead on. We, we were hammering that story for a long time. This is my jihad. This is why I get up in the morning, I go to work, and I do my job. The paycheck's kind of nice, too. But fighting that creeping, self-righteous, paranoid censorship in our schools and colleges, that is so animating to me. I never get tired of fighting that fight because it's so dangerous. Well, and it's just so frustratingly stupid, too. I don't like seeing really, really belligerent, stupid people win the day. It bothers me. Well, I know um, uh, a couple of really, really smart people who believe that whole speech is violence, violence is speech thing. I've not argued with them because I tend not to argue with people in my real life. But how you come to that belief is interesting to me. Oh, I know. It's, it's fascinating and it's troubling. As I've said a thousand times, ideology trumps intelligence all the time and it makes you know apparently smart people say stuff that's crazy and crazy dumb and of course doesn't make any sense of course as we were saying last segment Piers morgan's number there of percentage of professors that should be fired if they say something offensive who decides what's offensive 
the offended gets to decide what's offensive. I mean, how crazy is that? Armstrong. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's coming from the health sector. I just swallowed a bee. This is going to be replayed over and over again. He's wedged in my throat. Sorry, guys. A little bugger got away in there. Oh, I'm I'm okay. He's buzzing in there. Man, he went right down the hatch. (laughs) This is a classic, okay? Sorry. Oh, this is a good one. I'm going to be howling tonight watching this tape. I'll be rushing to the hospital and get this bee out of here. So ten minutes ago, Joe explains how the reason he does this job is to defend free speech. Ten minutes later, audio of a guy who swallowed a bee. (laughs) That was the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, who took it a hell of a lot better than I would have. He's the brother of that... No, what was his name? Right. That other about... politician, Ford, the big fat coke snorting drinking guy who ended up dying young. Oh, the, did he die? I forgot. Yeah, that. yeah. God, that was entertaining for a cup of coffee. 
That Canadian mayor? Was that what he was, a mayor? I think he was a mayor of Toronto. He was like disappearing and doing drugs and saying wacky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Bob Ford. Oh, I hate the idea of swallowing a bee or inhaling one. Or I, you know, there are very few internal organs where I want a bee in me. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> a couple of quick stories about the workplace that uh, I thought were worthy of bringing up to you. Uh, the first one from the Washington Post about Gen Z workers and how they want flexibility. The headline is, Gen Z workers demand flexibility, don't want to be stuffed in a cubicle. And they talk about... You know, hand, you know who does want to be stuffed in a cubicle? No freaking buddy ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, in approaching this article, because I read it over the weekend, I ruminated over it. I was thinking about it. And I've always looked at the market, the labor market. First of all, you should know Jack and I are both free market guys. We're free will guys. Uh, we believe in liberty. Uh, enter into the agreements you want. Get out of them whenever you want, that sort of thing. Um, and, and you should make your own life choices. And they're none of my business. Where we get into a bit of a rub with modern society is that uh, if your choices lead you to being indigent and unable to feed yourself, that's too bad. Don't ask me to feed you. Now, if you are somehow handicapped or or whatever and and you can't take care of yourself, I am more than delighted to pitch in to make sure you live an okay life. Um, But if you're just lazier or or you make bad decisions over and over again, nuh-uh. Dennis Miller's line of, I'm willing to help the helpless, not the clueless. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, So anyway... uh, I've always looked at the relationship between the uh, employer and employee as the employee is selling their labor to the employer, which is obviously true. But in reading this article, uh, maybe I'll give you a couple of examples. They're talking about how, on the one hand, the the young workers are glad to be coming back to the office because they're actually meeting people. They're getting some of that relationship building. They're getting some of the mentoring that you don't get when you're like messaging a stranger, somebody you've never sat down with. Um, but they talk about Gen Z is not down with the idea of going to the office every day. For instance, this 23-year-old who works for a boutique public relations firm in San Francisco, gag, uh, <laughs> says, I actually love going into the office. It feels more organic. But I don't know how anyone went into the office every day. Yeah, I don't geez. know if we were cut out to work in a pre-COVID world. I don't know if we were cut out to go into the wor- the office every day. Well, again, you know For- who wants to do that? Practically nobody. Yeah, again, I, I'm so tempted to be the bitter old guy and say, well, aren't you precious? You'd rather work less than more. How innovative. How interesting. <laughs> you were a child. Go do something else. Right. But then they get into the fact that Gen Z wants a little more flexibility, uh, you know, not coming in every day. Uh, also, they uh, they want uh, to know the company has values. What are the company's values? Jeez, the values something... I was always looking for is making money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or m- maybe staying solvent so that they don't go under. But, um, right. but other than that, I didn't care much. And they're, they're looking for much more work-life balance, quote-unquote, which is difficult to criticize. But <clears throat> getting back to my uh, half-made point, I've always looked at it as the, the uh, worker selling their labor to an employer, which is a good way to look at it. But then I started thinking about 
Why don't we, we uh, reverse that, and the employer-employee relationship is the employee being a consumer of a paycheck and deciding what they want to do for the paycheck. And if going in five days a week is something they won't do for the paycheck, well, the seller of paychecks, the employer, has to respond to the marketplace. They are selling paychecks to a consumer, and the consumer says, I'm not buying what you're selling. Yeah, the the difference now from when we would talk about this thing a couple of years ago is how many open jobs there are out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to somebody around here who has a son who's in his 20s and uh, said that for that age group, you're just always openly looking for another job. It's not, you know, when we were younger, you kind of hid if you were looking for another job. Oh, yeah, would, if you, you would, accidentally left your resume on the printer, on the copier, that was a nightmare. You wouldn't tell anybody but your closest friend, and oftentimes not them. I don't know how many people I was really close for all of a sudden would announce, got a job, I'm leaving in two weeks. And I'm like, you didn't even tell me, because it was such a thing you held so close. Now everybody right. openly looks for jobs all the time, kind of like... Uh, you're the sort of you're the sort of person that flirts, even though you're in a relationship, just to let them know the other person you have options. That's a terrible sort of person, but I've known people like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you do that with your employer, like I'm looking around, I'm still looking around. I have options, just in case you were wondering. As the culture now, because you do have options. Well, it all turns on: is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? Or you know, to to cite the two ways I was looking at it: who's the seller here and who's the buyer? Who has something the other one needs and can't get anywhere else? And you know what? That changes. So Gen Z, I, I, you know, look for your values, whatever they are in your company, and your flexibility, and your Fridays off, or your mental health care program within your company, or whatever. Uh, just uh, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you this with affection. Because my generation raised your generation, and I have three kids in their 20s. Uh, when that market changes, it's going to be a rude awakening. Yeah. And and you're going to have to do what you got to do to put food on the plate. But right now, with all the help wanted signs everywhere, like particularly restaurants, I got to believe you could show up to a restaurant and say, I'd like to work here as a waiter, but I'm going to look at my phone a lot. And they would say, <laughs> and they would just say, okay, what time can you start? I'm going to openly flip through Instagram while I'm waiting on tables, just so you know. All right. When can you start? You're not going to tell them to go away. Oh, by the way, coming up, what is quiet quitting? Speaking of the the workplace. I was going to say one more thing about this topic and flitted out of my poor old head. Uh, eh, It doesn't matter. It's probably drivel anyway. Uh, Yeah, the market will change and people will be shocked. Just again. If you decide they're way too demanding, I'm quitting and getting government benefits. I'm not super comfortable with my taxes going to pay you. You're going to tell us what quiet quitting is coming up? Oh, I could do an hour after a break. I don't know. It's a quiet quitting. It's a trend on TikTok, Jack, as is everything. <sighs> <laughs> Apparently. I know. Tires my ass out, too. But um, it's it's. I guess people are posting everything from serious screeds about work-life balance to snarky jokes to doing little songs, whatever. But it's it's young professionals rejecting the very idea of going above and beyond to advance their career. Um, and they've labeled their intentional lack of effort uh, quiet quitting. 
It's not about getting off the company payroll. The idea is to stay on the payroll, but focus your time on the things you do outside the office. In other words, doing the bare, bare minimum. Kind of daring them to fire you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Many workers say they have the power to push back against all those demands in the current strong labor market. Well, I, I gotta. I imagine the employer getting back to my restaurant worker idea is how much are you working? And then if you, if I fire you, I gotta play on pay unemployment and how that whole thing works out. Eh, I'm better off keeping you around at thirty percent effort than I am firing you. Well, what percentage of your workers or the people you work with uh, are doing this or feel like this? We have some fascinating statistics for you. Oh boy, those who are. Engaged and not engaged, actively disengaged. Oh boy, and and you know a little more chat about. Are they wrong? Are they wrong? If you keep paying me twenty two dollars an hour, even though I'm slacking, as a consumer of a paycheck, why would I do more? That's not a rhetorical question, by the way. There is an answer to the question. But uh, we'll have those stats in a second or two for you. Stay with Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. 
Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The warrant tells us the FBI sees five sets of documents marked top secret. And that means information that, if disclosed, would pose exceptionally grave danger to U.S. national security. But among that was one set marked top secret sensitive compartmented information. That means information that's so secret only a small group of people inside the U.S. government can see it, those who have a need to know. We're talking about things like CIA, names of CIA sources in Moscow or images from the most advanced spy satellites. This information was so sensitive that the FBI agents who took it out of Mar-a-Lago would have had to take it to a special facility. We're talking about the most protected secrets in the U.S. government. If that's true and everything is always an if in these stories, why did Trump hang on to that stuff? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I could guess, but uh, that's Ken Delanian on Meet the Press. Uh, I will tell you this. We've talked about this at length with some insight, I would like to think. We had some some serious thinkers' uh, quotes on the air. you probably enjoy it. If you miss those conversations, you can always get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It was hour one and hour three of the show, as I recall. Including Barack Obama's quote on classified information, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, indeed, and uh, and kind of handy to Trump these days. But uh, getting back to the workplace thing we were discussing, the idea of quiet quitting and uh, Generation Z, younger workers in general, just with a completely different attitude about the workplace, this quiet quitting thing is uh, its kind of a cute term. It just means putting out the minimum effort. I'm not going to quit, but I'm not going to bust my hump either. You want to keep paying me? I'll keep showing up, but it's hanging by a thread, all right? <laughs> Jim Harder, who's the chief scientist for Gallup's Workplace and Wellbeing Research, said workers' descriptions of quiet quitting align with a large survey of respondents that he classifies as not engaged. Those who, who will show up to work and do the minimum required but not much else. Among workers who were born after 1989... Wow, so that's like 34 and young, 33 and younger, right? Uh, more than half, 54% fall into that category, not engaged, doing the bare minimum. All right. All right. So you were talking earlier, asking about whether or not that makes sense or not. Here's, here's, here's a deal I'll make with you, though. I don't want to hear any complaints from any of you all about who got promoted and who didn't because he's a man or they're white or whatever. I don't want to hear any complaining about because uh, he kisses the boss's ass when you're quiet quitting. I also would like to know how many of y'all are going to be successful in the end. I mean, like, you know, beyond just getting by. I I always say, you know, in terms of taking all your vacation days and your spirit days and your all those other things, I personally don't know anybody very successful that does that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the point I've tried to make to my three offspring who are in their 20s, one soon to be 30, is that uh, because it's it's interesting. I grew up without uh, very much money at all. And so I made it a point. I want to make more money than I had grown up because there are things I want to do. Uh, you know, there are things, places I want to see. I, I don't want to be wearing hand-me-downs when I'm 35. Um, and my kids who grew up in a more uh, comfortable situation than me, uh, a couple in particular, they're not really aggressive capitalists at all. 
They're like, no, I want to make enough to get by, but I would much rather spend time with my friends and out in nature and stuff like that. Uh, I have a job to feed myself, but no, I, I have no need for wealth. Which I, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing kind of the way they live. Don't quote me. Um, but the point I quietly try to make to them is: the older you get, the unforeseen expenses get more frequent and bigger. You're not always going to be a healthy 28 year old. Trust me on this stuff. You're going to want that extra money. Extra money's not about buying gaudy rings and watches and and. <laughs> You know, <laughs> driving a Beamer or what have you. And if that's your priority, that's your priority. I don't care. But um, it's about ha- having enough money that when the rainy day comes, it's not a disaster. Anyway, uh, back to the article. Uh, they quote this 24-year-old woman who stopped overextending herself at a former position as a transportation analyst, whatever that is, less than a year into the job. Work stress had gotten so intense, she said, her hair was falling out and she couldn't sleep. Uh, while looking for a new role, she no longer worked beyond 40 hours each week, didn't sign up for extra training, and stopped trying to socialize with colleagues. Um, so that gal is either balancing her work and her life better, or she's just weak. And I don't know which. <laughs> Maybe you that's, need more that's up to her. iron in your diet or something. I don't know. Yeah, your hair shouldn't know. be falling out. You know, I'm reminded of one of my favorite pieces of, of writing probably of my entire life, and that's... Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff's point about how we're teaching our kids mental illness by having them act as if the slightest offense or setback or whatever is a disaster, the smallest rudeness is a microaggression and evidence of hatred and blah, 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 instead of the whole, hey, be tough, you'll be fine. Everybody takes the slings and arrows of fate. Uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, blah, blah, blah. We're teaching our kids to do the opposite. Treat everything like a disaster. And I just wonder if this poor gal whose hair was falling out because of work stress was just enduring the same stress that people have endured forever and done fine and went out to the bar after work and said, boy, was my boss a son of a you-know-what, and had a laugh and forgot about it. My guess would be it's that. I had another thought, but I'll make it my final thought. What's that? Said one uh, viral TikToker, you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. Yeah, hustle culture. I gotcha. Armstrong and Getty, you have disappointed me for the last time. These are your final thoughts. All right, here's mm. here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Darth Vader there. Yeah, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Our technical director, Michelangelo, will lead us off. Michael? Yeah, I was thinking about it. I could never quiet quit. It's just not the way I was raised, and I've always wanted to get that good reference. So I'm just a people pleaser, so I could never quiet quit. You've fallen for hustle culture, Michael. Thank goodness. Great at his job, folks. He's a national treasure. Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, a final thought? Yeah, I don't know if I could relate to this quiet quitting either. For most of my life, I've worked two jobs just because, like you, Joe, I didn't have a lot growing up. I just want to live in a future where hard work isn't seen as this terrible thing. Yeah, well, we'll see how long it lasts. Jack, your final thought? Yeah, I have participated in hustle, hustle culture since I started working, and I still do, and probably will till I stop working. But if, and this is a big if, but if it's just you don't feel like you need a bigger house or a cooler car, there's, I suppose there's nothing wrong with that. That might be a step in the right direction. I would say so, absolutely. Yeah, to be obsessed with work or to think your only worth as a human being is how much you bring into your corporation. 
I mean, we've talked about this through the years, the idea that a, a woman who stays home to raise her children, she's wasting her life. Oh, yeah, because making an extra few grand for some insurance company is more important? What? Or deciding I'll live in a smaller house and drive a, 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 a smaller used car? I, I have no problem with that decision. Yeah, uh, make your own choice. We respect it. Just, again, don't ask me to come and pay for your lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Quiet quitting by ending the show. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. A lot of great clicks for you. The hot links. Check them out. Pick up some A&G swag. My own daughter has endorsed the A&G sports bra. Very comfortable, ladies. I might need it myself. I was the heaviest on the scale I've been in two years this morning. Not good. I need the A&G bra. See you tomorrow. God bless America. I'm strong and getty. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. There, there are many uh, sins, if you will. Including the oink and the move. That's the real problem here. It's like what we thought about the Gestapo and people like that. Have you been a good little Nazi? No, 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 no. We said yes. We should have thought that was serious. We should think this is serious. But they really don't. Moo, nay, oink, ba. And on that possibly nightmare-inducing note. Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.